Welcome to the Sacred Feminine Power Podcast, where we explore the many facets of feminine power and why it is so important for women and for men to step into this power in our world at this time. This is Emmy from Feminine Revered, and my beautiful guest for today is Trista Hendren. Trista founded Girl God Books in 2011 to support a necessary unraveling of the patriarchal worldview of divinity. Her first book, the Girl God, a children's picture book, was a response to her own daughter's inability to see herself reflected in God. Since then, she has published more than 45 books with hundreds of con contributors from across the globe. Wonderful. Welcome, Trista. Thank you so much for having me, Emmy. Oh, it's a blessing to have you with us. And I am super, super excited to be diving into this conversation with you. Now, since my podcast is called Sacred Feminine Power, I love to start by asking my guests, what does sacred feminine power mean to you personally? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, it's it's within ourselves, our, our, our own divinity as goddesses. I believe all women and girls are goddesses and um, that we all have a bit of the sacred feminine in us. And um, it's something that I think is kind of buried in a lot of us. It certainly was for me um, growing up as a Christian. Um, so it's something that I've kind of dedicated my whole life to recovering um, both in myself and, and hopefully helping other women and girls to recover that aspect um, of themselves. Mm, beautiful and certainly so, so very necessary, especially in these times of transition that, that we are in. Mm. Now, I have a feeling that we're going to dive into this particular theme a lot more in just a couple of moments. But before we go there, Trista, I would love to hear from you about a challenge that you have faced on your path that's really helped you to activate this power within you. You know, I was thinking about this um earlier because I was kind of in a funk this morning and then I was like okay what do I need to do to, to get out of this funk <laughs> I went and worked in my garden and planted sunflowers mm. which is kind of late for but um you know I was thinking about so many different things because I've been a single mom I've experienced um childhood sexual abuse and um a lot of financial hardships but what I was thinking called to talk or speak to is just almost like an ongoing struggle that like I think sometimes we make it seem like we have everything together when we don't and I like I feel like this is a challenge for so many women it's just like you overcome so many things but then to not get stuck there and how do you actually move on in a constructive way like in your day-to-day -day life like um i i feel like my life is so good and especially when you compare it to how my life was um, before because i had a very um destructive relationship with my children's father um but then i think the challenge is not to go back there and get stuck again so I was kind of thinking, I don't know if I want to go over all my old challenges. I think I want to explore, like, how do we move forward and not be stuck there and get, like, I'm realizing more and more I've been doing all this work with them, tuning forks, that my default programming that I was given at birth and then raised with is so horrible. <laughs> it's like, you know, growing, growing up in church and growing up, um, 
in kind of a dysfunctional family. And then like, it's really like a lifelong process to like come out of this and untangle it and become unstuck and to like come back into our beautiful goddess selves. Um, I don't know if that relates to you at all, if you, or if you can relate to it, but um, I just, when I've been talking to women lately, that seems to be coming up with a lot of us. And I think especially with COVID, really having to look at ourselves harder with more free time and less interaction with other people and like patterns that are like emerging more um, and really digging deep to do the work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I can also relate to that very much. And and when you say digging deep to do the work, what are you referring to there? You know, I think of like my spirituality is like gardening. And if you like, and especially our house is a good analogy because we bought an old house that had been kind of neglected. So we got a lot for our money, but we also had a lot of work and especially in the yard because the even like I'm going to have to redo all the soil. And I think a lot of us that grew up in, I would say, especially uh, Christianity or any sort of patriarchal religion, it's like once you dig in there and you realize, okay, you start weeding and then you see more weeds and then you see more weeds and the more you garden, the more things you see. And then you get to a place where you're a lot tidier and you don't have... um, even patience for um, things to be out of order. But I don't think I'm there yet. I still am finding all sorts of things, especially with this tuning fork thing that I'm like realizing all these just old patterns in my head that don't make any sense. Um, Like for instance, because I grew up with a very patriarchal father, um, I realized the other day when I was, actually it was a couple of weeks ago, I was painting um, with my husband. We were just doing some touch-up work. And I'm kind of messy. And I was realizing um, that I was scared he was going to yell at me. Hmm. And I thought, oh, that is so bizarre because he's never once raised his voice at me in 11 plus years. And so I told him and he was also just really shocked. He's like, why would I yell at you? And I just was thinking, gosh, you know, this is like such an old pattern from my childhood that, you know, even like, you know, working towards getting to the point where I could even get into this relationship because I was always kind of not picking the right men for me. Um, Even just doing that work was such a process. So it is, it's just like this constant weeding, gardening. um, And I don't, not to make it sound like it's um, because work, I don't know. I I like my work actually. (laughs) Like I like Mm -hmm. doing the books and everything, but, but it is, it doesn't just, come to you I think you have to kind of be willing to look at yourself and look at your shadows and um and that's rough and especially now I have a teenage daughter and they, they tend to be pretty brutal on their mothers not oh, that I mean yeah. my daughter but it's like you know and I raised her as a feminist so she will call me on my shit and um am I am I okay to swear <laughs> um but yeah I mean she'll be like well, no, mom, you did do this. Or, you know, I mean, like she'll call out patterns. And I, and I've told her too, like, I want you to do that because if, if I'm doing something that is um, like patriarchal parenting, which I've really tried not to do, that's just my own deep conditioning um, from my upbringing and how I was raised. But 
not something that I want to reenact with you. So I think it's actually helpful to have, um, especially a daughter, because um, if you've raised her in a way that she can express herself, then she will also help you grow. Um, so I'm I'm very grateful to my daughter. She's a she's a firecracker. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can relate to that too. I've got a 14-year-old daughter and she certainly calls me out on all kinds of things all the time. So, yeah, yeah. And and it's it's beautiful when you have that kind of a relationship where they feel safe and comfortable to actually do that and not to have to hide their opinions and, and how they are feeling in any given situation. So good job, Trista, for bringing her up in that way. Thank you. I think it's really important that we raise our girls if they can't feel safe at home they won't feel safe outside the home you know like they have to have that freedom to be able to fully express themselves and sometimes that's not <laughs> comfortable as a parent but it's I think ultimately it's better because I don't want my kids to resent me later in life or say you know come back you know in their 30s or whatever and say you know with a laundry list of Things. I mean, I'm sure they probably will have things anyway, but but I would really rather have things said and dealt with at the time than have uns, unspoken um, disappointments. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think also what I'm noticing more and more myself is how important it is also to hold ourselves with compassion and mm -hmm. gentleness in the midst of all the conditioning that we're still carrying inside ourselves and with the sudden voice of my mother that comes through when I speak to my daughter or my yeah. father's voice that comes through suddenly when I speak with my kids. It's it's really quite intriguing how how intrinsic and how deep those patterns are and how often how subconscious it is so that we don't even realize that we're doing it. Yeah. Well, and I think though too, it's a gift because there's an Alice Walker quote, um, something like, yes, mother, I see that you were flawed and that was your greatest gift to me. Um, mm. That quote has always really touched me because I, I think it's important that our daughters realize that we're not perfect and, you know, apologize, but say, you know, <laughs> I had a, <laughs> a human moment and I mean, all of us do. And um, it is really hard when you've been raised one way um, to try to raise your children in a completely opposite way. <laughs> Because it will definitely come up, you know, like, um, yeah, just old conditioning, but it just needs to, it needs to go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's probably our children's generation that really is, is able to then grow into adulthood from a, from a slightly different foundation from ours, especially if we are open and honest about our flaws and not try to hide them and become these figures of, disciplinary authority like what I had with my dad for example um, that um, will certainly set them on their paths in a very narrow-minded way in many ways. Yeah I think the the old molds of parenting you know it really sets you up for abuse. I mean I, I don't know how it, how it is um, in Finland but I know in Norway they made it illegal to spank children like in the 70s and I grew up with spanking and you know if you you think about hitting your children and then you know it makes it acceptable for a male partner to hit them later or you know I mean it's just or for them to hit their partner um it's actually kind of frightening and I hope more more countries take up 
there i i think sweden is the same um <laughs> but yeah it makes me sad actually to think about that um because it just should never happen yeah very very true yeah yeah i was spanked on on multiple occasions and uh, something much more severe than spanking as well took place many many times but uh it it really it stays with you mm-hmm. and again i notice uh, especially when my kids were were smaller how how easy it was for that impulse to come through if they were not behaving the way i wanted them to behave mm-hmm. to 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 like want to do the spanking yeah. and how difficult it can be to stop yourself from doing yeah. that because it is such a conditioned response yeah yeah no i relate to that very much because i i never spanked my children but i have it has come into my head and i just it's like almost painful to think of that because that would devastate me but um but hopefully you know like you said the next generation the thought won't even come to their head you know um i really hope so because uh, that's so sad to think of all the children in the world that that are spanked and then you think you know all the crimes and all the things that we have wrong in this world you know a lot of it is probably goes back to childhood and being abused as a child mm-hmm. yeah for sure for sure all these tiny little three five-year-olds walking around in adult bodies trying to deal with their trauma as best they can mm-hmm. mm. yeah for sure yeah Well, let's let's look at it from a more positive perspective yes. <laughs> for a moment. We're going down a loop here. We don't want people to cry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, how how is all this these challenges that you've gone through and and all the lessons that you've learned from that? How is it supporting you now in the work that you do and in the messages that you're bringing out into the world? Well, I feel like I'm on a mission to feel as good as I possibly can because I don't think that's the default for most women. I think we're trained to like take care of everyone else first and not even even be aware of how we are feeling in our own body. Um so that's kind of been my focus the last 10 years or so really when I started doing this. Um and that's what I I want for all women is to learn how to feel good as like as your natural state because i still will like i deviate off to like feeling bad and there's no reason for me to feel bad anymore it's just i think that deep deep conditioning um and you know a very kind of sad childhood um so yeah i mean that kind of fuels me because i i always think about my daughter like i don't want her to have most of the experiences that i had throughout my life um and And now I also feel like because my first, I'm 47 now, the first, I don't know, 36 years of my life were pretty, well, very difficult most of the time. Um, so just coming out of that and just making a very dedicated choice of that I want to live my life in joy and that I want to take is the best possible care of myself that I can. And um Yeah, I think we all need to do that because no one else is going to take care of us. Hmm, absolutely. And I think it is so important for us in on on many levels become our own parents as well so that we bring in that gentleness and compassion that we talked about already 
first and foremost to ourselves so that we're then able to also look at others from that perspective. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. Well, Trista, I would love to hear a little bit more about the Girl God books and how, how it all started. Okay, so I'll try to do the short version. <laughs> um, so I I was raised Christian, and then I, I converted to Islam, hmm. and um, and then I decided I wanted to raise my children within like an interfaith environment and let them choose what they what their religious beliefs would you know whatever they ended up being. And actually, both of them are pretty much atheists, <laughs> but um, well, my daughter is veering off to into witchcraft, but. Um, but I, I didn't even think about it in terms of like, because I didn't really experience how wounding Christianity especially was to me as a girl until I saw my daughter, um, because she wasn't able to see herself reflected in God. So I basically that first book, I just wrote kind of about a conversation that we had had, um, and kind of our journey together when she was about five years old. Um, because it is so male centric. All the patriarchal religions are very, very male centric. And um, I, I, it's so funny that I like spent all this time in church, um, but I didn't, I never reflected on that because that was my normal that, you know, there was a male God and um, a male savior. And I mean, it was so sexist and so, um, disabling in a way um so yeah I just I wrote down the story and um and my husband encouraged me to um to publish it and then I just happened upon um the artist Elizabeth Sletness who's here in Norway was a friend of um one of my husband's really good friends he's also an artist and she posted like the exact um she posted one of Elizabeth's paintings which was like exactly what I had envisioned in my head for this book hmm. and it's very different art than most children's um children's books but it's um this is what my frustration was because I used to read to my children for hours every day and of course you read the same books over and over and over and they get very dull and a lot of them like people kept buying us like princess and um Barbie books and everything which I hated so I would just like change all the <laughs> stories around and make make the princesses lesbians and um <laughs> and then once my daughter could learn how to read she's like mom that's not what the story says <laughs> so but I wanted pictures that were um like Elizabeth's work is like has all these different animals and um so every time and I have several of her originals at my house people come and they just like look at them um and they can just look at the picture forever because there's so many different things. So I wanted books that also the parents enjoyed reading to the children and that could go to a deeper level so that the kids could actually grow up and go back to the book. And because and, there's a storyline, but then there's quotes and and kind of like affirmations um, on each page as well. And like inspiring poetry and um, all sorts of different things. So so, and a lot of women have used the book too, just like in therapy, coming like to terms with their own inner child that was wounded um, through patriarchal religion. So, yeah, I didn't really have any plans other than I just wanted to do this one book, but then I kept getting more and more ideas and then more people kept coming with, oh, what about this? But do you want to do this? And uh, yeah, I want to do everything. So <laughs> I really would like to have um, books on every goddess 
and I'm still learning, you know, I just learned about, now I can't remember her name, but um, I'm obsessed with hedgehogs at the moment. And there's a goddess that has a hedgehog hat. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I need, I need a book about this goddess. So yeah. And I'm just surrounded by so many creative people. So there's never a shortage of ideas. <laughs> oh, I bet you must have met the most amazing people through, through your publishing company. Yeah, Beats, um, there's just so many. I mean, it's primarily all women, although there's been a few male contributors, but um, I think only five or six. Um, and then my husband helps a lot. He doesn't get, <laughs> he kind of stays in the background, but he he does a lot. And yeah, so I'm very grateful to him and my son helps. Um, so yeah. It's kind of a family affair. My mom, I work with my mother. She edits all the books. Mm. So um, even though we're really far apart, it doesn't feel like we're so far because um, we're talking constantly. <laughs> so, yeah. And Zoom makes it a lot easier to, you know, to be able to, because um, she's still in Portland. So, yeah. Mm, beautiful. I love that family focus in your business that's very special yeah you know um it's really nice to work with my mom and you know she wasn't so interested in goddesses um when I started but but she had been a um, professional resume writer and my mom was just like the most helpful and supportive person and so she you know she started editing the books and then she's gotten more into goddesses and feminism and um, because she, I mean, it's so funny. I mean, she grew, she um, had to go to wife school in the 70s. Oh, wow. <laughs> to be a good Christian wife, you know. So, I mean, this indoctrination in these um, fundamentalist churches is is so crazy, you know. And basically, to be a servant to your husband, I mean, like, that wasn't that long ago. And I think they're still doing things like that, actually, which is mm. just baffles me. but. Um, I still feel like a lot of the world is under this spell and they don't even realize um, that the language is so off. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Why don't you speak a little bit more to that, uh, the language being off? Yeah. Um, it's, I haven't, I was going still to a UCC church, um, uh, which is uh, United Church of Christ, which is very liberal and it's lovely. I'm really grateful, actually, for that congregation because my um, children, well, actually, both the Muslim community and, and that community were so good to my kids. And it was really good for them to have that, that community around them because I was a single mom and their their dad struggled with football and addiction issues. So they really needed to have other men and other families in their life and in community. So that part was great. Um, but when we went back for um, their, actually, their father, their uh, father's funeral was hosted there. Um, and they did a really, really wonderful job with, with that. And the, the, it's a female minister and she like took time with the kids to talk to them about, you know, their feelings and they, they saw counselor as well, but it was just dealt with, with a lot of grace, but it's just like, I felt myself just cringing with the language. Um, because now that I'm out of it, and even in very, very liberal, progressive church that, you know, means well, is very inclusive. Um, but the the language isn't there for me and I can't um I can't deal with it anymore. 
So I actually have started even doing, um, last year we published what we called a hermnal and it's revised hymns because I'm realizing part of this conditioning is hearing all these songs that we grow up with, you know, and they're really damaging, you know, to women. And um, so we changed, um, and there was, I think about 20 contributors. We changed, um, I don't remember how many hymns we changed, a lot. Um, but we went through and made it affirming for women. And you can really see it when you look at like um, the original with the new ones and especially to hear them. And there was one that I didn't even grow up with, but it was how great the father's love for us. And um, Kate Hildebrand, I think, it's, yeah, Kate Hildebrand um, rewrote it to how great the mother's love for us. I'm going to start getting emotional even thinking about it. But mm. I, um, we had, we did a sing along and we had some like Instagram lives where we had a um, singer, Shelly Ling, um, sing the songs. And I listened to that like 20 times in a row. And I was just like crying, you know, because I was just like, wow, you know, you don't realize the impact of the mother language and like the, a mother God or goddess it's so different. It's, if you know, and even this idea of like, God loved us so much that he killed his son, you know, or sacrificed yeah. his son. I mean, it's so, it's horrible. It, it's like, um, I got a, uh, I ordered a book. I don't know how, if, in Norway, it takes a long time for, for me to get my books, but I ordered um, Text of Terror, which is actually about the Bible, but they they thought it was like a terrorism book or something. So they <laughs> held it in customs forever. And I'm like, no, it's about the Bible <laughs> being, you know, a weapon of mass destruction, um, <laughs> which it is. I mean, the Bible is mm. horrifying. If you actually read, you know, what's in there, it's, it's really awful. And it's, it's really sad that like it's used in, as, as an example of good behavior, but it's, <laughs> it's a terrifying book and yeah, mm. just makes me sad that so many people believe it and don't even know that there was um, goddess before God, you know, and a lot of those stories um, and even, you know, triple goddess, it was not the Trinity. That's not the first Trinity. So all these, um, even death and resurrection, you know, they've they've just taken goddess stories and used them um, for their own, I would say, sick agendas. So um, I've kind of gotten more intolerant of Christianity the further I've gotten away from it. So, I mean, I do, I should say that I do, I do have a lot of Christian friends um, still and Muslim friends. And I love, I love everybody, but I just also sometimes feel like, oh, come on. Why do you go every week to the service that is undermining your own divinity? Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The text of terror. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to describe it. That's for sure. Yeah. And you're so right that um, so many people across the world take these so-called holy texts very literally mm -hmm. and, and really shape their lives according to something that should, well, first and foremost, perhaps be looked at as, as something that's a, an allegory or a metaphor rather mm -hmm. than something literal. But also when you start to understand how systematically women's women and women's roles have been just completely erased from the versions of the Bible that are readily available to us, all of them written by men, of course, yeah. <laughs> from their mm -hmm. own perspectives. 
that you really start to wonder how how deep this conditioning really goes and how, for such a long time we're mm. talking thousands of years yeah yeah i mean if you think about how different the world would be is if we used you know like the charge of the goddess or there's um linda ruther has a poem called homecoming that i goes through my head almost every day that is about you know um it's, Oh, I can't, I can't uh, remember it off the top of my head, but it's, it's, I cry every time I read it because it's just like the great mother said, come to me child and give, give all that you are. Um, You're not too much for me. My, my warm arms will, I don't know. I can't remember it all by heart, but, but it's so, it would be so different if we had these as our sacred texts that are just filled with love and, um, I think it would change everything. Mm. Yes, it would. And that's exactly why we don't have them. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get them out into the world, but oh, it uh, seems like there's resistance to goddess in a lot of, um, a lot of ways. Mm, for sure there is, for sure there is. And I think at the same time now with this massive transition that we are in, we're going to see that resistance probably get bigger and stronger than it's ever been before it then starts to crumble away. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I hate to admit it, but I think you're probably right. It's uh, There's too much. I, I mean, I think everybody would gain from this, but I think the powerful men of the world um, have a lot of reasons why they don't want people to wake up to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And that's why every single book that you put out there is so very important because it's carrying a very, very powerful message that not only challenges the, the system and the, the regime, so to speak, but also has the potential to really wake people up at a very deep level and to also sow these beautiful seeds of hope about a world that is possible. Yeah. I think we we have the potential to have a beautiful earth. And um, I know we were going to talk a little bit about the thousand um, goddess gathering, but I yes. think that kind of fits in here too, that, um, you know, Mars vision is so beautiful. And, you know, I think, just just the idea of all these um people coming together in all these various communities um because we did it here last year and it was so nice especially after you know being in covid for a while <laughs> lockdowns and everything to come together in communities like that um and affirm the goddess and we sang and um, we have this giant um, willendorf statue that my husband made it's so powerful and it's so different um then the Zoom gatherings, because you don't have that same uh, energy as like the in-person gatherings. Mm. Yes, for sure. And I think, again, when women specifically come together in circle, in yeah. sacred circle, the, the power is incredible and, and the vibration is so high and so much magic can happen when women who are committed to their own healing, but also the healing of our planet mm -hmm. 
and come together in that that same intention. Oh, it's it's so it's the most beautiful thing in the world. You're giving me goosebumps. Yeah, because I think um I think you can heal so much more in circle than you can individually because of just that shared common experience. And I think so many of us have so much guilt and shame. Mm. And just by your it's it's a two-way gift. Like by sharing, you're giving other women the gift of not feeling alone and just having this universal experience. And then also, you know, sometimes maybe one woman is having a really tough time and in, in, uh, I'm going to start crying, but, um, but that they are held in circle is, that is so powerful to be held in circle um, when you really need it by women who understand and they get it and, um, and to just know how loved you are and how supported you are, because I think so many of us try to do everything ourselves mm-hmm. and we feel alone with like, or, or ashamed of um, our thoughts or our actions or whatever. And it's, it's just, I wish every woman would just get in a circle. <laughs> um, and actually I should do a shout out to um, the find a woman app. Uh, do you, are you on there? Oh, what's sorry? Find a uh, find a find a woman circle app or what is it? No, no, I'm not. No. Oh, that is a really good. Um, you should interview her um, because it's so important. And so many women have said to me, "Oh, I wish I could have a circle, but I, I, you know, I don't know how to find one." So this is actually perfect because you can look wherever you are, and and also even just how I found my circle here, it's just looking on Facebook for you know women's circle Bergen. Um, because I mean, most of the big cities now, I think have women's circles, maybe not in maybe smaller towns or whatever, but, um, I, I would really encourage everyone to, um, to do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think the beauty of the circles is also the fact that when we come together, it's not just us. Mm. It's also those who came before us were very, very much with us vibrationally and energetically, and Mm. also those who come after us. Yeah, I always like to do that um, in a circle if I'm doing it uh, myself is to to share the mother line as far as you can go back and also my daughter. Um, because, yeah, you're right, it is. And, and I feel like my grandparents come in my dreams a lot. And I feel like just the work that I'm doing to, now, too, has been healing going back into my line because I'm it's like so many generations of dysfunction and um gosh i think about my mom's mom that just had such a difficult life she was married at like 13 and had six children no five children by the time she was um 21 and was married to an alcoholic and it's just like so much pain there i mean he, she made the best of it um and I don't think she saw herself as a victim, but she, I mean, when I think about her life, I just think, oh my gosh, you know, she really had so much difficulty and um, it wasn't, it wasn't easy at all for her. So I really, I hope wherever she is now, she's just having a really good time. Hmm. <laughs> she deserves it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm sure she is. Yeah, beautiful. Well, just just to briefly mention um, the Thousand Goddesses Gathering that you already brought up as well. 
um, this global event that was founded and started by Mayor Cromwell, who's a Gaia mystic and a high priestess. And it's an annual gathering on the 22nd of October where people from around the world, predominantly women, I think, but also increasingly men are coming together in prayer, in ceremony, in in ritual, and just celebrating Mother Earth and calling in those thousand goddesses who, according to the Tibetan myth, when they come together, we will experience healing on our planet. How are you going to be contributing this year, Trista? Um, so we're going to do another gathering here with our Willendorf statue. Mm. And um, and it will be local. Um, I don't I don't know. I probably will open it up to my women's circle and close friends here. And then we'll do a live stream of maybe the first little bit, but most of it, I want it to be private because I think, yeah, I want to, I want to kind of have it both ways. Cause I know some people won't be able to do it in their community. And then a lot of people are like curious about the statue and everything that, um, so, but I like, I really like, um, having the just the intimate group and, and doing singing and um and I I know she uh Mara is asking us about um very encour- encouraging us to celebrate and even keen mm-hmm. is it keening is that what it's called yes that's right yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we were joking because uh, and ours will be male and female because my husband is yeah he, He'll be there and a couple other guys, probably mostly women though. But um, but we were joking that okay, it's so kind of quiet in Norway. <laughs> so we maybe should call the police first and warn them. <laughs> we're gonna be keening for a while. <laughs> you get it in call, so nothing bad is happening here. Yeah. So but I need to see if there's someone in my circle who feels um or who's done it before. I haven't, and I don't know that I am qualified as a keener although once I get going I might really go for it I don't know <laughs> but that will definitely be a private part of the ceremony there goes the dog um oh yeah so so tell me what you're going to do there oh well I'm I'm uh co-hosting the event this year I've, I'm very very honored to do that so Mayor and I will do a ceremony together on that day okay so you're going to yeah. do it online with her yes that's right yeah so we're just putting together all the details and those will go out um, sometime soon uh, to to all the people who are wanting to to take part and set up their own ceremony as well all around the world. So we'll super excited. When the, when the time is of yours, we're doing it at 2 p.m. here, but it will go on for last time we went on, not all of us, but we had another couple stay with us and we sang it until the morning. <laughs> oh, beautiful. But... Um, but yeah, I don't, I, if it's in the morning, then that would be cool to kind of see, um, see how it is with you two, because I'm sure that's going to be amazing. Mm, thank you. Yeah, most likely it will be evening time for us in the Nordic countries because um, of the time difference with the states. Mm. But yeah. we, we'll see. We'll see what is possible as well. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. Trista, if, if our listeners uh, became very curious about um, the the Girl God books and and your story overall. Where would they find more information about you? Uh, they can go to my website, which is thegirlgod.com. and um, we have a Girl God Facebook page and Instagram page. Um, it's pretty easy to find as well. Um, 
And yeah, make sure to get on my newsletter on the website because a lot of things get missed on Facebook, especially now. Um, for a long time, people told me they didn't even know that I had books. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I have so many books. But um, yeah, they just thought it was like a big Facebook page with lots of like, because I the the Facebook uh, group or um, what do I say, page, I I share a lot of inspiring quotes. I'm like a total book addict. <laughs> I have about a thousand pages of quotes from <laughs> goddess feminist uh, books and mostly goddess feminist. Um, so yeah, I try to share a lot on there and I do, I really want to get more people engaged with goddess and yeah, that's my little labor of love. But mm. not, and not just I shouldn't say it's not all me on there. I think there's 13 admins on there. So there's a lot of women working very hard to keep everything going because it's it is a lot of work. And and then we have sometimes trolls and all that kind of stuff too. So we have to kind of mm. keep everything clean. <laughs> mm-hmm. So That's it's true. a safe space and yeah. Beautiful. I love that. And I understand that you've got a gift for our listeners as well. Yes, I do. And we were going to figure out which one was the best one. I guess I'm going to say probably new love for this conversation because that's a reprogramming toolbox. Um, And it's a workbook, which I I shouldn't, I think I was just thinking I should change my workbooks to playbooks because it sounds more fun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but that's one that I did with Arna Bartz. And um, it's a 30-day with art and prompts and just kind of to to kind of change your thought patterns out of patriarchal thinking and into women-empowered goddess um, love for yourself. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. I really, really appreciate that. And that is actually one of my favorites as well. So thank you. Oh, good. (laughs) Love that. Beautiful. Well, Trista, thank you so much for sharing so openly and so vulnerably about your journey and all these different facets of your life that I'm, I'm sure will will have the listeners very much connected to you. And you've just provided a whole lot of medicine for all of us by sharing. So thank you. Thank you so much, Emmy. It was so nice to sit down with you again. And I just feel like we're kind of at our own little two-person circle right now. (laughs) Yeah, very true. (laughs) um, But also I feel the energy of the future listeners too. So I just want to send love to you and to everybody who's listening and yeah, just encourage you to find a circle and keep showing up for your life. And I think it just gets better and better. Hmm, Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, everybody, just for a moment, let's focus our intention and our awareness on this beautiful energy that's been activated and imagine sending this this energy to everybody and everything on our planet to remember that we are all one and that the more of us have the courage to step into our sacred feminine power, the more quickly our planet will also heal and ascend. Thank you so much for listening.